while you're standing, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Say it again. Merry Listen, that's, that's, those are beautiful words, and we need to say them with excitement because the, the news of Christmas is exciting news, the news that God loves us and sent his son for us. Thank you, and you can be seated. Well, let me ask you, have you, uh, have you finished all your Christmas shopping? I read this morning that Amazon has a few things you can order and still get there tomorrow. I'm just saying. You know, most uh, most people celebrate Christmas in this country. Uh, when you when you see the all the traffic recent days, that becomes very obvious, and uh, the empty racks and shelves and a lot of the the stores locally. And in fact, uh, surveys tell us that better than 90 percent of Americans will celebrate Christmas. About half of us, 46 percent in the most recent survey, about half of us. Uh, celebrate it primarily with a religious, as a religious holiday. It doesn't mean we don't have any secular, you know, uh, trappings, but but the focus is on Christ. It's a religious holiday for about half of us. When I was a kid, I grew up more like the half that did not celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday. Our family were not Christians. We didn't go to church, and you know, the big deal was the Christmas tree, uh, presents from Santa. And my sister and I, I don't know if they still have these or not, you know, the can that you can buy of snow that you spray and those little cutouts that would have different scenes on them. And we, we loved the big picture window because we could just snow scenes all over that big old picture window. And, uh, you know, that, you know and, and I'll age myself a little bit. Rudolph and Frosty and uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. But the problem was you could only watch them once a year because there were only three channels on your television. They only came on once. You had to find the commercial early in the month so you could know when it was going to broadcast and be there in front of the TV that one time in December and watch it, or you didn't get to see Frosty. You didn't get to see Rudolph. Now, in some ways, that made it more special. But that, that was our Christmas. It was pretty secular. I remember... Uh, when I was really young, we would write our letters to Santa Claus. In that small town in Kentucky where I grew up, the local radio station, every afternoon had someone who was talking to Santa. Santa was always there, boys and girls. And they would read these letters to Santa over the radio. And we'd all rush home from school and gather around the radio to listen for our letter to be read. It was great marketing. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, th- those are my memories as a kid when it comes to Christmas, now I knew there was Jesus, didn't know much about him. I knew there was a God and there was Jesus. And there's a lot of people in America today who they, they know that Jesus is part of Christmas, but they don't really know a lot about him. Some of you here this morning perhaps may be like that, others watching on television or via live stream. Christmas and Santa and Jesus, but you don't know a lot about Jesus. So this morning, I'm going to take a few minutes and just talk a little bit about who Jesus really is. And boys and girls, when you came in today, you got a coloring book. And I'm going to point to this a few times during the, while I'm talking. And uh, I want you just to color and listen and learn. And you, you can talk about this with your mom and dad later today. And for all the big kids in the room, the way to get me to preach a shorter sermon is to have all the kids in the service one Sunday, okay? So we're going we're gonna to run through this. Now, obviously, I can't tell you everything the Bible teaches about Jesus in 20 minutes. But I'm going to share with you a few things that the Bible teaches about Jesus and not go in great depth, just kind of get us 
started. And the, the real question then is, who is Jesus? Now, we had these beautiful kids up here a moment ago reading uh, the Christmas story from the Gospel of, of Matthew. And I'm just going to refer to it. And if you have your Bibles and want to look, you can in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 is the first 11 verses that they were reading. And uh, several things are told to us about who Jesus was in that very first Christmas story. And I'm, I'm going to begin with the basic one and the one that's the easiest to believe and that most people believe. And it's this, that Jesus is a man. Jesus is human. Now, he's more than that. But sometimes as Christians, we forget that Jesus had flesh and bone just like us. He was a real person. He, he, he was a human being. He was a man. Three times in that Christmas story these kids read, it refers to Jesus as a child, as a child who was born. Jesus started out uh, in Bethlehem as a, a baby, and he grew just like we grow. He got bigger, and he got physically stronger. And uh, the Bible tells us there were times in Jesus' life when he was hungry, when he was thirsty, uh, when th there are times when Jesus would cry, when bad things happened. The Bible tells us there were moments when Jesus was weary or tired and, and uh, when he felt pain. There, there, there were times when Jesus would groan in his, in his gut, so to speak, when he would see something horrible. He would just feel it on the inside emotionally, and he would groan. When Jesus was on the cross, he bled, and he died. Well, isn't that what we as human beings do? We, we experience that in life. Jesus experienced all of that because he really was a real person. And the truth is most people in America believe Jesus really existed that he was a real person. Very few don't. Now, the fact that Jesus was a human means something to me and encourages me. Here's why. And, and boys and girls, the second picture in your little coloring book, you see Jesus the baby in the manger on the second page? That's when Jesus was born as a human being, as a little boy. But it means for me that Jesus, he understands me. He understands my experiences he understands my struggles and my fears and my emotions because he was also human. It also means that Jesus can comfort me. Sometimes just, you know, a hug from mom or dad, a hug from somebody you love can comfort. And Jesus knows that we need that, and he's able to give that to us. He, he really is. I remember once when I was little, I was with my father. We were out one evening, and uh, it wasn't quite dark, but it was getting close. And we were in his pickup truck, and he stopped at someone's house, and he said, just stay here. I'm going to go in and talk to him for a minute, and he'll be right back. And he parked close to the house. So didn't think anything about it, but he was in there a lot longer than I thought he would be and probably longer than he expected to be, and it got really dark. And I can still, I'm, I'm 59 years old. I can still remember sitting in that truck in the dark by myself, not able to see anybody, and scared to death. In fact, I got so afraid I started crying. And I, I remember getting out of the truck and walking up to the house and looking through the window trying to see my dad or someone, but I was so shy, so bashful, I wouldn't knock on the door. I still remember when dad came out of the house, how it felt when he hugged me. Can you all get that picture in your mind? And when you go through stuff in life, I want you to understand that the Bible says Jesus is our high priest, but he, he's moved touched by all that we experience because he, he experienced so much as a human 
here on earth himself, and he's able to comfort us, to hug us, to love us. And, and, and so when you pray and you, you rest in the presence of Jesus and that spiritual presence of Jesus, there's a peace that passes all understanding available to you. So that's one reason I'm glad Jesus was human. He, he walked where we walked, and he understands, and he's able to comfort us. Don't you think that's a, a good thing? And according to that survey, 92% of Americans believe Jesus was a real person who walked, including 87% of the millennials, the younger generation, still believes Jesus was real. And we know he is. We experience him in our lives every day as followers of Christ. So that's the first thing. Jesus is a man. Now here's the second thing. Jesus is also a king because he's a lot more than just a man. And boys and girls, in your coloring book, the next page... The next picture is Jesus sitting on a throne, just like kings sit on a throne. And in verse 2 of the story in Matthew 2 that the kids read a moment ago, Jesus is called the king of the Jews. In another verse, I think it's verse 6, he's called a ruler, a ruler. That's what a king does. He rules, a queen does. They, they, they rule people. And the Bible more than once, listen to this, more than once the Bible says Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. In the book of Philippians, the Bible says that a day is coming in the future when every human being that's ever lived will bow their knee before Jesus and publicly, vocally acknowledge that he is Lord. The thing is, we need to do that. We want to do that in this life. Don't wait until then because then it's too late. You need to do it now because Jesus is more than just a man. He is king. How many of you have ever watched that uh, television show, Family Feud? You ever watched that? You know where they ask 100 people, they survey 100 people, ask these questions, and they put the answers up, and, you, and the families try to guess. You know the stories. Well, two or three years ago, in uh, one of the episodes, they, uh, the question they, they asked people was, was this. When someone mentions the king, to whom might he or she be referring so when someone mentions the king, to whom might he or she be referring? So what, what do you think the number one answer was? That's right. <laughs> number one was Elvis. 81 of the 100 people said Elvis Presley. Elvis is the king. Seven people, here's the second most answer, seven people said God or Jesus. Three people said Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, two people, Burger King. I agree with you, sweetie. That's funny. <laughs> but the Bible says every knee will bow to the only eternal king, Jesus. See, the one we celebrate at Christmas who, who was born in Bethlehem, yes, a man, but so much more than a man, also a king. And because he's king, he's ruler, he's Lord, and we are too obey him now here's the third thing we learn about jesus in this story that the kids read a moment ago from matthew chapter 2 not only is jesus a man not only is jesus king but jesus is the messiah jesus is the messiah king herod in verse 4 gathered all the chief priests and he said where in the old testament where in the bible does it predict and tell us that the messiah is going to be born and those jewish Leaders understood the Old Testament, and they said he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And that's where he was born. See, even King Herod, who was evil, 
and he really was an evil man, knew that the Bible taught there was going to be a Messiah born. The, the, the word Messiah is, is a Hebrew word that's found in the Old Testament. It literally means anointed one, anointed one. And boys and girls, in your coloring book, if you'll look at the next page, I believe that would be about page four, you'll see a picture of a cross and Jesus forgive my, forgives my sin. Because in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word Messiah means anointed one. In the New Testament, which is written in Greek, a different language, the Greek word for Messiah is the word Christ, Christos, and it means the anointed one. And so every time you say Jesus Christ, you're not referring to Jesus' last name. Christ is not his last name. His name is Jesus, Jesus. Christ is his title. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the promised one. And the Messiah was, was coming to rescue people, to be a great leader, to save people. And a lot of people in Jesus' day thought he was just going to deliver the Jewish people from oppression like the Roman Empire and dictators. But the truth is, the Messiah was coming to rescue me. He was coming to save me. The Messiah was coming to save you. He was coming to save all of us. Because all of us are in prison, whether we know it or not. We're in prison to sin. All of us are in prison to the consequences of sin. All of us have a master. Sin, sin, sin. It's why bad stuff happens. This earlier, you know, I'm not used to starting Sundays this late. And so I was up early and awake, and I, was, I made the mistake of, of on my phone looking at the news. It was pretty discouraging. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of sin in this world, isn't there? And we're prisoners to it. And, and what the Messiah was going to do was to rescue us from our sin and from our guilt, because the Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even the Old Testament talks about it. Will you listen as I read from the Old Testament prophet of Isaiah in chapter 53, where it was talking about the future, the the, the, the coming Messiah, about Jesus. Listen to just these few words in this, in this passage. The Bible says, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions. Now remember, this was written 700 years before Jesus was born. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Iniquities is another word for sin. The chastening of, for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging. Scourging is to be beaten with a whip like the Romans beat Jesus with a whip before he was crucified. By his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity or the sin of us all, everyone, not just some, but everyone, to fall on him. See, when the Messiah Jesus died on the cross, here's how he saved us. Here, here's how he rescued us from the consequences of our sin. Just imagine my left hand is you. And God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. God wants you in heaven. But your problem is your sin. 
Now imagine this Bible is a book and in it's written every sin you've ever committed. That's your problem. That's what separates you from God. That's why you can't go to heaven. So here's a predicament. God loves you, but your sin has to be punished, has to be judged. Now over here is Jesus, the Messiah, born at Bethlehem, grew into a man who died on the cross. The Bible says that during his life he never sinned. He never did anything wrong. He didn't deserve to die. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've each turned to his own way, our sin. But, the, but God, Isaiah said, 700 years before Jesus was born, the Lord God has laid on him, on the Messiah, on Jesus, the iniquity or the sin of all of us. See, on the cross, Jesus took your sin. He paid the penalty for your sin so that when you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you can be forgiven and you can know God and have a relationship with God and heaven can become your home. That's what it means when it says Jesus is the Messiah. Some of you will remember, uh, what was it, three years ago this month? Two years ago, actually, two years ago this month, out in uh, California, San Bernardino, when that former employee, he and his wife who had been radicalized as Muslim terrorists, walked into that, that, that Christmas party with about 80 employees and just started shooting what was it, uh, 14, 14 people were killed and 20-some were seriously injured? Two of the people, two of the employees in that Christmas party, Denise and a man named Shannon, sitting at a table talking, just talking about everyday mundane stuff that co-workers talk about. And when the shooting started, they fell to the floor and used a chair to try to protect themselves. Denise survived. Shannon, the man that was with her, was killed. And in describing that moment, here's what she said. This is what she wrote in an article herself. Listen to her words. She, she said, I will always remember his left arm wrapped around me, holding me as close as possible next to him behind that chair. And amidst all the chaos, I'll always remember him saying these words, I got you. He died protecting her. What do you think Jesus did on the cross? Died in your place. You're going to physically die, but you don't have to be spiritually dead for eternity separated from God. Because Jesus died in your place for your sin, taking it upon himself. And he said, I got you. The problem is too many of us are doing this to Jesus. Get away, get away, get away, get away, get away. Too many of us are saying, I can protect myself. I can do it all myself. I can save myself. I don't need you. that doesn't work because the bullet of sin hits every one of us and the only protection available is Jesus Christ the last thing about Jesus in this story he's a man he's a king he's the Messiah who died so we could be rescued and saved but he's also God he's God and kids, in your coloring book, the picture of the cross above the church, 
because we come here to worship Jesus. We have fun, we learn, we get to hang out with each other, and we love that. But the main reason we come to church is to worship Jesus, who is God. I want you to notice in this story, even when Jesus was a baby in the manger in Bethlehem, three different times they talked about worshiping him. The wise men worshiped him and gave gifts. When the wise men showed up and were talking to Herod, they, they'd come to worship, and, and Herod will find out where he's at so I can go and worship. Worshiping a baby. Do you know that in the Bible the only person you worship is God? And here they are worshiping Jesus. What does that tell you about him? The holy name of God in the Old Testament in our English Bibles is I am, Yahweh. I am who I am, will be who I will be. God, his sacred name that a devout Jew reading the Old Testament would not even pronounce and would substitute the word Lord. And Jesus himself on more than one occasion referred to himself as I am that sacred, holy name of God. See, Jesus did not begin at Bethlehem. He's eternal. Because he's the one who in the very beginning stepped on the edge of nothing, just himself, and spoke into being all that is. At Bethlehem, he took upon himself humanity without giving up his deity. And so in Christian theology, we talk about Jesus being fully God and fully man. I can't fully understand that, can you? But let me tell you something. If you have reduced God or you have reduced Jesus to something you can completely understand, he's not God. If you've brought him down to the level that you fully can explain and fully grasp, you have made God less than he is. You've made him just you. The fact that you can't fully grasp God is part of the proof of his existence because he is greater than our human ability to fully explain. He's God. Don't reduce him to yourself. A man, the king, the Messiah, and God. Who became a man so he could understand us and bless us and die on the cross in our place and save us. King, ruler, Lord, God, the one whom we serve. And as I wrap this up, those wise men, those magi, they, they brought gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and gave it to Jesus. Do you know what the greatest gift you can give Jesus is? Hmm? It's what you see every time you look in the mirror. The thing he wants from you more than anything else is simply you. And kids, that's why the last page in your coloring book is a, just a blank space there, for you, a mirror for you to draw a picture of yourself and, and, and tell Jesus that you love him and that you want to give yourself to him. And to all the big kids in the room, those of you who've been pushing Jesus away, those of you who've been, who've been trying to do it your way, I don't need you. Those of you who, you know the bullets are flying, but, but you're going to see if you can make it out okay without doing anything. And maybe halfway through life, you, you'll decide to take cover. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to give myself to Jesus someday, 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 just not now. To all of you, the, there's a reason these magi are called wise men. They came and they gave gifts and they worshiped. The gift that Jesus wants from you is you. A relationship with you. Think about that. That this God, this Messiah, this King, this man wants a relationship with you. That ought to make you feel something. That he wants a relationship with you. And in a moment we're going to stand and sing a song and myself and pastors will be here at the front and I'm going to ask you to tell Jesus you want a relationship with him. I'm going to ask you to come to one of us that will be standing here. People will be singing. People will be praying. Everyone will be excited and happy for you. I'm going to ask you to come to one of us and say, Pastor, today I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to give my life. I'm presenting myself as a gift to King Jesus, to Jesus who is God, to the Messiah, Jesus. I'm tired of pushing him away. I'm tired of trying to do it all by myself. I want a relationship with Jesus. Others of you can come and pray about anything you want to pray about here at the altar. Just kneel here on the kneeling bench and just pray. To join this church, come and speak to Steve or Scott and say today, this, this is the church where I, I know God wants me to be a part of and serve him and come and join a request baptism. So let's stand together. They're going to lead us in singing. And you come, don't, don't push away. You run toward Jesus. You do like the wise men and make your way to the manger, make your way to the cross, make your way to Christ right now as we sing.